Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for Podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. I'm fiddling with this second keyboard that I don't need. Yeah, it's interesting to watch someone like not know what to do with a keyboard. That kind of doesn't... Just threw it on the ground. Just tossed it. Toused it. Anyway, how's it going, Caitlin? I'm super pregnant, man. I haven't this seen is... you outside of Skype for a while. I know. I'm happy to be here in like another place other than my apartment. You are, you are super pregnant. You said you were having contractions last night. Yeah, they kept me up. Let's have that baby on this We're podcast. There. We're there. I don't know why. Live baby birthing. I don't know why we aren't live streaming that this. That would be pretty scary. That would be pretty scary, boo, And indeed. also just kind of like boring. Yeah. That's a lot of waiting. You well, guys don't want that. Well, because we're a strict Scientologist household, so I right. wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to make any noise while right. you were delivering the baby. Right. And or... I'm definitely not as interesting as like a giraffe, for example. Right. That's, that, that's, that's a, definitely worth a That's a 24-hour live stream there. Yeah. You sit and watch and wait for that long neck to pop out. God, I'm glad I don't have to birth a giraffe. Jesus. Let's not jump the I gun. I can't imagine giving birth to something that already has hooves. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Those, yeah. That's a lot to think about. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Just kicking he's its not way even gonna out. have teeth. Yeah, like I'm. He's it's just like great. A, he's just like a little bag of sand. Barely has fingernails. Yeah, and no. scratch on the way. Yeah, out. I don't even know if he has hair. He's already a good kid. He is already a good kid. He's not an asshole. I can tell. Good. Yeah. Fucking better not be. He's not. He's not allowed to be bringing assholes around this place. No, no, no. He's not. I'm not. He's not allowed. Okay, good. No. So. <laughs> This doesn't lend itself at all to what we're talking about Not true, today. because this guy had serious mommy issues, oh, and my true. child will not have any of these. That's true. Hopefully not to this degree. No. Holy well, I mean, shit. No. I, maybe, my son will probably be like, listen, like my mom's really loud, like just, just let her, you know. But not like this. This is not. No. 
We're talking about Edmund Kemper today, a.k.a. the co-ed killer. And we did this because Mindhunter just came because out. Because Mindhunter. And I, I messaged Caitlin when I was watching Mindhunter. Yeah. And we had a lot of back and forth. But basically, my uh, my gripe with Mindhunter is there's not enough of this guy in it. Because he's so heavily in the first two episodes I and think was so engaging. Everybody's disappointed that this guy isn't in every single thing that they're yeah. watching. He's so, he's... Like, this guy's going to have such a cool career after this. Yeah, especially when you look at him. Like, he looks like Seth Rogen. He's got crazy, frizzy hair. He, but yeah. then in the in the show, he looks like uh, my dad, basically. He, he definitely looks like he's working at one of those hipster microbreweries. I'll say yeah, that. Like, for, for sure. For sure. Or like, you know, throwback movie theater in the, like yeah. the Alamo Draft House or something like that. Yeah, I, and I was... I think one of the reasons I found him so fascinating is Mindhunter covers a lot of really high profile cases like in the it jumps around they tell you where they are at the beginning of each episode and i saw like well he invented the term serial killer right so the the people depicted in mind hunter here's the thing that bothers me okay we brought up mind hunter on the least anticipated podcast sure and it wasn't on the notes i just saw it on the fly and i was like oh shit is that like tangentially related to silence of the lambs somehow and someone in the comments goes no you're thinking of manhunter motherfucker they are both related yeah. to the same fbi profiler detective yes, which is it's jack crawford in yeah that's the, his name in silence that's of the his Lambs. name in that series yes. right but it's all based around a profiler named john e douglas yes who so get off my back audience yeah they're never gonna no never there's not they're not gonna let it slide but then I like when I when I watch that show and I see like Wichita, Kansas, I'm like, okay, this is about the BTK yeah. killer. But then I see Santa Cruz and I'm like, who the fuck is this? I don't know anything about Santa this Cruz guy... except that I never want to do comedy there again. Word. <laughs> Bad. I don't think it's a funny place. It is not a funny they, place. I had a horrible weekend in Santa Cruz. My I have this woman in my life who's like my adopted mom, and she was like at a seminar, like some weird seminar. Uh-huh. And we stayed at the weirdest hotel I've ever stayed at in my life. And it was like this. It used to be a camp, clearly. Like, oh. it, it just was not good. And then we we had to go visit this intentional community. Excuse me? Yeah. It just, like, <laughs> it's just like wealthy hippie people, which is the worst. I would so much rather hang out with like a bunch of psycho Republican wealthy people than, than intentional yeah. liberal. I mean, if we're being really honest with ourselves. Right. Because nobody knows how to color outside the lines better than the people that draw in there in the first place. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> exactly. Way more fun. Anyway, so I, I just had a really big peanut butter and jelly sandwich because they cut the I bread. I can get with that. I'm no, into that. no, 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 no. The bread to peanut butter to jelly ratio was all fucked up. Oh, really? They cut this woman cut the bread for me, and the pieces were fucking like huge. Oh no, it was yeah. not good. No, see, get it together, Santa Cruz. Jesus, they're never going to. So Edmund Kemper III, he is known as the co-ed killer. Uh, he killed 10 victims, a modest number. Maybe that's why he's not on my radar. But some of those victims include his paternal grandparents and his mother. So that's... Also, I like this... I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I do. Whatever. Fucking I'll own it. He's like a, he's like a horror movie killer. Oh, he's definitely. Yeah. Like he's He's the guy that we didn't realize... All of those have been based off of. Yeah, he's like very Freddy, theatric. Michael, all of it. Yeah. This is him. He's six foot nine, weighs over 250 pounds, and reportedly has an IQ of 145. Yikes. Average IQ in the U.S. is 98. 
Yeah, being really smart doesn't get you out of trouble, guys. No, it doesn't get you out of trouble, but uh, it can help you. I don't know. I read one thing where they they mentioned that that's one of the things that helped him really lure victims is he was so intelligent and just like disarming that people were like, oh, yeah, that guy's not going to do shit. Back to why the shows he's so good and like the character's so great is that you just you keep reminding yourself like this just doesn't seem like a person that would kill somebody. Yeah, he does. He's very, very articulate. And a lot of the things he says in the show, if you go back and look or just listen to this episode, it's all there. He really said it. It's fascinating. So let's go let's go through some of his childhood because boy is it a doozy surprise. Uh he was born December eighteenth, nineteen forty-eight in Burbank. Burbank. His dad was a World War II veteran who tested nuclear weapons after the war in the Pacific Proving Grounds. Mm-hmm. Then settled in California to work as an electrician. When he was nine, his parents separated and he went to live with his mom in Helena, Montana. His mom was an alcoholic, verbally abusive, and often made Edmund sleep in a locked basement because she was afraid he would harm his sisters. That's a loaded... Yeah, that's a... Like, I'll let you finish, and then I, I want to say something, because that's very interesting. To yeah, me. I'll just... The, the yeah. last part of that is that she would tell him that he reminded her of his father and that no woman would ever love him. And I think I know where you're going with that. That first sentence, we're supposed to read that and go, what kind of monster... But tell me more about the harm his sisters part first. Exactly. Before I'm supposed to feel I, bad about it, him locked in a basement. So I am a victim of verbal abuse. I was never physically harmed in any way. Right. But my dad was uh, expertly verbally abusive. Like, just really good at... It's probably why I'm a stand-up comedian. Because yeah, sure. words mean a lot to me. And when people say, like, oh, I didn't mean what I said, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't fuck with that. I don't either. It's like, yeah, you did. If yeah. you said it, you meant it. Like, right. sorry. Like, at least that's the way it works in my world. If you want to be in my life, yeah. you can't just say shit to me. Right. Verbal abuse does not get the credit it deserves, in my opinion. Oh no. I, it, I, I feel there like there were it... so many times I remember thinking, I wish my dad would just punch me in the face. Yeah. Because if I could walk out of here with a black eye, I could get out of this this hellhole. Right. Because. Verbal abuse fucks with you in a way that all abuse fucks with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's of the course. same thing, but nobody thinks it fucks you up the way it can. Right, and, and nobody it, talks about it. And try calling the police and saying my dad's saying mean things to me. Yeah, they'll be like, "Fuck you for wasting our time, kid." Absolutely. Meanwhile, your dad is ruining your life. Yeah, like, and there's like, it's yeah, it's an almost impossible thing to get someone to intervene in. Yeah, the only time I was ever able to actually do anything about it was when he actually verbally threatened suicide. I was like, "Ha, okay, (laughs) I can call the cops now." (laughs) Like, I like that was, you know, I mean, I should have been a lawyer because. (laughs) I was just—I swear to God, like that kind of trauma breeds a weird level of it. Make it makes sense that he was intuitive with people. It makes sense that he right. knew how to communicate with people because when you're verbally abused, all of your defense mechanisms and anxieties are based around communication. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, and uh, and then on top of that, his mom knew he was fucked up. Right. So you're playing with fire there. Yeah. Like because at an early age they knew he was uh at 10 years old he was displaying psychopathic behavior. Like what you ask? 
Uh, he buried his cat alive, then dug it up and mounted its head on a spike. If that does anything for you, that's disturbing. And where, again, I hear that. I'm like, mm, you sure lock he, him in the he, basement. He wasn't trying to do some DIY Halloween decorations because that is. Well, I mean, he did whether he was trying to or not. Yeah, he was a very flamboyant, violent person. He was showy. Yeah, yeah. He was the Liberace of burgeoning into a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Real showboat, this oh, one. Oh, man. Oh. You know, Liberace is from the same small town in Wisconsin as my mom. No, I, d- I mean, no. I didn't know right? that. Right? Edgerton, Wisconsin. It's either Edgerton or Janesville that he's from. Behind the Cal- Candelabra is so good. That HBO movie amazing. about him Amazing. Is- Who played him? Was it Martin Short? Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah. It's one of the best things Michael Douglas it's has fantastic. ever done. Yeah. Above... Greed is good above anything. Above this is fallen. It's I love fallen. <laughs> I love fallen. Oh, that wasn't my wife in the bed. Oh my god! You know now we're supposed to feel sorry for him. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Piece of trash. The dude. game is really good too. Yeah, the game is good. Fuck. We could do a whole Michael Douglas podcast. We should. Okay. Mike D. Mike D. That's a different guy. Yeah, it is. So yeah, he he did that to his cat, which is horrifying. When he was 13, he killed another family cat because he believed that cat preferred his younger sister over him. Okay. Maybe word got out about the last cat, dude. Uh, how, how are you going to fault a cat? Like, have you, never, have you never paid? I'm sorry, but like I was reading through this, and the first thing I thought is like, first of all, rule one about cats, all assholes. They are all assholes. It's why we love them. Well, the thing about it's like that it's like that Robin Williams joke about cats. How they're all like drag queens. Yeah. Wow, love me. Wow. Like, well, it's- have you ever heard? I know people say it like kind of offhandedly that dogs are boys and cats are girls. So sure, but they are to some extent. Like we associate, we give dogs for all the fucking credit they do, and we really overlook that sometimes they just so snap and fucking kill people. But with cats, they're out fucking killing all the mice and. Also doing work, and then we're like, they're like, why don't you just unconditionally love all of us? And they're like, because we're small, fuckface. You might kill us. <laughs> we need to be picky in who we trust. Also, and we're like, cats are bitches. Cats are super intuitive too. Yeah, they like, sure are. I, we had cats, and they all hated my dad. My dad lost an argument with a cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cats are great. Yeah, but, but I, I feel like there's something to that. Cats are cats are girls, dogs are boys. Yeah, I get the way I, we treat them. They're definitely more f- effeminate. Yeah, in general. And I get why this cat did not love Edmund Kemper. If I were a cat, he would not be my favorite yeah. human. It probably just had that cat sense that hey, this guy mounted a cat head on a stick once. You're I'm gonna violent. I'm gonna hang with sis. I smell something on you, can and we, I think it's violence. Can we lock either one of us in the basement, yeah, please? I'm fine. I'm, uh, I'm a cat. He would also perform rituals with his younger sister's dolls and uh, sometimes uh, play games with them where he would pretend he was in an electric chair. Weird. And he eventually ran away to his father's new home in Van Nuys. Shout out to the combo KFC LJS out in Van Nuys. But then, my hometown. Really? That's where I grew up. My home. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of porn studios and <laughs> some elementary It really schools. is. Um but he eventually was sent to live with his paternal grandparents, and he accused his grandfather of being senile and his grandmother of constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. Is this the Uh-oh. maternal grandparent? The p- paternal. Paternal. These are the ones he... So he's just surrounded by, by nut crushers. Right. 
And uh, surprise, at the age of 15, he kills him. He gets in an argument. This is in 1964. He gets in an argument with his grandmother. And God. they're just arguing. And he all of a sudden decides to grab a 22 caliber rifle and he shoots her in the head and twice in the back. And then when his grandmother or when his grandfather gets home, he goes out and shoots him in the driveway. So then he calls his mom and says, what do I do? She says, call the police. Obvs. Because it's not all bad advice coming from her. Even the blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. <laughs> and he told the police he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. It's an honest answer. And in a perfect world, the story ends there. In a perfect world, all criminals would answer questions like that. Yeah, yeah. If that's, we're being honest. That's that's a, uh, I guess those cops get the rest of the so day off. here's what... <laughs> Yeah, you. Oh well, fuck. Uh, okay, you want to get in the car? Okay, I, I'm gonna uh, finish the paperwork. You're, uh, you're, Done. So you're guilty. <laughs> cool. Um, here's what's interesting about this because it's important to not project what we now know about serial killers on this case, right? Because this is literally the case, right? That helped. This is galvanize what we understand about serial killers. Right. That's that's one of the things that's depicted in Mindhunter. That's kind of the main thing is so that what I'm saying is like it's important to realize right. like you're thinking to yourself because if you're listening to this show, you know about serial killers like, oh, God, textbook. Well, literally. Right. Literally. They wrote the textbook based on this. Guy. Really important to bring up. Like, like he, don't let that get away from you while you listen to this story. And there are when you watch Mindhunter, there's that's why this character's so good. He'll like say something crazy and then notice that they're taking notes, and he'll go, write that down. And I it's think, so fucking I think the fun word, to watch. I think the word is satisfying. Yeah, yeah. It is a weird consummation of facts and a person. Right. Anytime somebody embodies anything, it's satisfying. Yeah. But for this to be so historical and so recent. Yeah, yeah. Um. It, there's just something uh, delicious about it. Yeah, I, honestly, like it. You, you may they have made a meal of this character, right? And as they should have, it and, was smart. And this was as important as fingerprints, DNA, and it, like the idea because yeah. the amount of resistance they get at the idea of just going to because this is the first guy they go talk to, and the there's a third cop that's with them who's like, you're going to fucking talk to that guy? Like, why would you talk well, to that this guy? this goes back to, because when people like flippantly say like, oh, Jack the Ripper was the first serial, serial killer. It's like, you can't say that because you're right. retroactively effacing how people saw this person. Right. They just saw him as a monster. Crazy women that went into the woods were witches. Right. Not mentally ill women that went into the woods. Right. Like, think about this. <laughs> yeah. It cracks a lot open when you when you think about it this way, yeah. instead of there being this moral force floating in the hearts and souls of these men, the idea that there is a type that can be categorized right. is literally attributed to this person. Right. That and, is so cool. And this, the scariest thing about him is the type of crazy he is, is a crazy that he knows that crazy is there. He's self-aware. And he's just learned how to harness it almost for his own enjoyment and what we find out is that we never he has kind of like a seven ending oh that yeah I, Let's, I, I, well he sort, after, sort of yeah after he kills his grandparents he uh yada 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 one thing leads to another 
Uh, like every boy, we bombed right. Japan. Sure. Have you heard that Brian uh, yes. Brian Regan yes. bit? It's so fucking great. Um, so he, this is why I say he's he's the especially scary kind of crazy. Once he gets in this mental hospital, the first thing he does is start figuring out how to manipulate the tests they give him to give the answers they want to hear. That way, he knows when he's twenty one, he's going to be out. Right. And that's exactly what happens. Which means. He's not the first person that did that. Right, right. Because of what we know about... I'm sorry, I keep driving this point home, but it's like every action this man takes, multiply that by other people. Right. That's the important part about Kemper. Absolutely. And this is, uh, to give you an idea how good he was at that, this is the last report from his... This is his last probation report. Uh, It is my opinion that he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be of any danger to himself or to any member of society. Because the principles didn't exist yet. Right. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's it's not. They had nothing to follow. No. To just realize that is not anything to them. They're not putting that anywhere. That's why his IQ is so important, because once you get into stuff like this, too, you're not always dealing with like not everyone has a 130, 140 IQ. There's a lot of people just who get in a situation like this and you're just kind of outmatched intellectually. He's the moral equivalent of a seatbelt, in my opinion. Like he's the he is literally a necessary evil, in my opinion. Yeah. He literally was like, it sounds terrible. And I'm not saying that those people deserve to die or anything like that. But if he hadn't have been exactly who he was, we probably never would have gotten this far. Right. Because had Kemper not been the first interview, like think about how disappointing the BTK one would have been or Ed Gein or any of these other people. (laughs) Yeah. Especially Gein. His IQ was like seven or something crazy like that. Yeah. Terrible. Speaking of Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> so, uh, Another me mommy. This is after he gets out of prison. He goes back to live with his mom. Good idea. He was attending community college and ugh, wanted to become a state trooper. No. Of course he did. But fortunately, he was fortunately or unfortunately. That. Yeah. Uh, he was above the maximum height limit, which... I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess you're in a police cruiser all day. See, this is the thing that I've always been saying. It's like, you know, there used to be like murder squads you could join like yeah. hundreds of years ago. Yeah. That's what these guys did. They just, they, they made a job out of killing people. Right. And enjoying it. Yeah. And he just, you know, those people just had a real. He just started one of his own. <laughs> James has a real passion for his craft. <laughs> he did eventually get a job with the state of California Highway Department. That same year, he was hit by a car while riding his motorcycle and received a $15,000 settlement from the driver. He used the settlement money to purchase a 1969 Ford Galaxy and began picking up female hitchhikers and dropping them off without incident. However, at some point, he began to feel homicidal urges, which he called his little zappies or zapples. Zapples. Wow. And he started keeping tools such as knives and handcuffs in his car. Have you ever taken any kind of mental health drugs that when you go off them, they give you the head shocks? Uh-huh. Those are the fucking worst. That's what this is. Yeah. I want, yeah, it might be but just natural. that. Yeah. I'm experiencing leg, restless leg syndrome because of my pregnancy. Oh, okay. It's horrible. Do you want to get up? Um, no, no, no. Not like right now. Not currently. Oh, okay. Restless legs and I'm relating it to this. Oh, okay. 
it's really weird to feel electrical surges through your body that you have to do something to. Like, yeah. you have to react or it just makes you feel worse. Right. And I, I wonder if that's on some level. Like, urges yeah. are urges. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... In my case, my urge is just move my leg. Right. At two in the morning, which sucks. But in I this... don't know. His urge was slightly different. He went on an 11-month killing spree. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. It started uh, May, between May, 7, May 1972 and April 1973. He killed five college students, a high school student, his mother, his mom's best friend, or his mother and his mom's best friend. He said in interviews he would often go looking for victims after fighting with his mom. Dude. Yeah, he's the worst. The first two victims were Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Lucasa. They were two 18-year-old Fresno State students who were hitchhiking in Berkeley. He took him to a secluded wooded area that he was familiar with from working at the highway department, stabbed and strangled both girls, put their bodies in his trunk. Back at his apartment, where he lived with a roommate, he took pornographic photos and had sex with the corpses before dismembering them. You guys thought I was kidding when I said textbook. <laughs> right? No, he is the real deal. He is it. Prior to abandoning their body parts on a nearby mountain, he had sex with their severed heads not the first time that's going to happen in this story. He later said about having sex with decapitated heads, the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth, that's the person. Fascinating. <laughs> that's fucking chilling. It really like, is. Like to, to see what he was interested in dominating it was everything. Yeah, yeah. Not just the whole like, person. The whole person. That's, it's one, th- I don't even know how to finish my thought. Go ahead. Yeah. Just. Yeah, this is going to be a, a rough ride, everybody. Aiko Ku, 15 years old, on September 14th, 1972, she was hitchhiking to her dance class after missing the bus. He took her to a remote area and threatened her with a gun before accidentally locking himself out of his car. Yay! Despite this, however, Aiko let him back inside. Boo! Aww, and he choked her to death. Kid. Yeah. At his apartment, he had sex with her corpse and dismembered and disposed of her body just as he did his previous two victims. Fuck, man. He doesn't even want to fuck a woman with a pulse. Right. It's it's all... He hates women that much. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I get it. Your mom wasn't a great mom, but goddamn, dude. There's a lot of bad moms out I mean... there. Very few Edmund Kempers. I mean, there's enough, enough that it's a problem, but... Uh, so next victim, Cindy Shaw. The following January, he had moved back to his mother's house while driving around the local the campus of a local community college. He picked up 18-year-old Cynthia Shaw, shot her with a 22 caliber pistol in a wooded area, and kept her body in his room's closet overnight. The next morning after his mom left for work, he had sex with the body, removed the bullet from the corpse, and dismembered the body in his mother's bathtub. He continued to have sex with the severed head for a few days before burying it in the garden, looking up toward his mom's bedroom. He later explained that his mom always wanted people to look up to her. That comes up in Mind Hunter. And I was like, there's no way that's true. That shit is fucking true. He's such a son of a bitch. Uh, he really, he's such an asshole. Yeah. He's like, what a fucking twat thing to say. Yeah. Well, he's the kind of crazy, that, like, 
I've spent the past couple weeks saying, you know, we really do need to think about mental health, and I still stand by that. But also, this is the kind of crazy that there's nothing you can do anything you can this. do about except what we did and just harness it and learn from it. Because other than that, that's why I don't believe in the death penalty. Oh yeah, for sure. We should be studying people that kill people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, I don't. I don't have sympathy for child molesters. Put them right. Put them in a place and study them until they die. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just going to keep doing it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I don't have any faith in rehabilitating a child molester. Yeah, well, like there's a lot of people, and they that, shouldn't just be allowed to be outside. There's, you know, there are there are just some people who won't be rehabilitated, and this guy is an example of that. Well, this is an evil person. Yes, that's the word. We this use. guy is pure evil, and there are those people. Yeah, and I mean, sure, maybe it took a little abuse to get it out of him, but it was there. Like, it was going to come out in some way Look, at some man, point, that, no I, matter what. I endured what he endured. Yeah, if it wasn't so, that, it would have been some woman who didn't call him back soon enough. Or oh, yes. some petty shit like that. Some woman who wouldn't have sex with him. Trust me, he would have been an MRA guy. Oh, yeah. I mean... There's a million of them right now. Yeah, he does have an MRA. Air. Like, he does look like someone who would greet all his victims with milady. Like, mm. he probably would have had a top hat. Yeah. I have or a, a fedora. I... A doff of the fedora to you, milady. He likes the color maroon. Mm. I don't like that color. No? No, I don't. I, I, to me, I just associate it with every creep that, you know, oh, I go to the Ren Fair. I'm like, you like <laughs> to bind women, is what you like to do, you fucking trash hole. I hate you. So, uh, around the t- uh, his next victims were Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Liu. Around this time, people were beginning to suspect there was a serial killer preying on hitchhikers. So he started befriending cops just so he could hear them talk about this serial killer that they couldn't catch because it made him feel good, which is terrifying. Also, UC Santa Cruz students were advised uh, to laugh more at comedy shows and also to get into cars with... <laughs> Man, you got that in there, and I was like, or else? Like, Yes. Wow. Or else. No, the, nobody laughs in Santa Cruz. No, they the, don't. The, 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 they the, yell at L.A. people for stealing all their no, water. Their laugh, their laugh is the nose laugh. Uh, yeah. Like the smug shitty. Yeah. Or they go, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate, need I your O's. Uh, studying horticulture. Shut up. It's 2017. <laughs> You're not a robot. We got robots for that shit. Shut up. Stupid tree college. Dumb. I hate your tattoos. So they were uh, they were advised not to get into any cars that didn't have a university sticker on them. Problem. His mom worked for the university, so he just drove her car around. And that's how he picked up Rosalind and Allison at the UC Santa Cruz campus. Shot them both dead with a pistol. This time he be- beheaded him in his car and just carried the corpses into the house to have sex with him. Well, so, he, he, you know, the system wasn't, it it wasn't going to be perfect out, out the gate. Oh, this is, okay, we're, we're finally yeah. nearing the end. Uh, his last two victims, I mean, fittingly enough, I guess, uh, his mom and her best friend. Uh, on April 20th, he bludgeoned his mom to death with a claw hammer, decapitated her, had sex with her head, then put her head on a shelf and screamed at it and threw darts at it. He cut out her tongue and vocal cords and put them in the garbage disposal, which ejected the tissue back into the sink. He later said that seemed appropriate, as much as she'd bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. His mom was 52 years old at the time. He, uh... R.I.P. R.I.P. He hid his mom's body in a closet and went out to drink 
as one does. Well, I would need a drink after that. Yeah. But to be fair. Maybe even during and before. I think. And for years and years after. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I would just be pickled. Yeah, I don't know that I would ever, <laughs> ever really stop drinking. You'd be a lousy serial killer, Adam. Oh, yeah, I'd be terrible at it. I'd be like, oh, my God, does this hurt? I think I'd I don't be want a, it to hurt. I think I'd be better at it than you. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. But we could both try. Let's just try. We'll do it like a competition thing. Santa Cruz? Yeah, let's Sweet. go to Santa Cruz. Let's we'll go. book some shows. We won't even be the first ones. We'll book some shows so then we, at least we have motive. <laughs> Adam and Caitlin's killer tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just Munich the entire room of people that didn't laugh in the weeks after. Munich uses. Shows you and Caitlin were in Santa Cruz for six weeks. Beaches yeah. are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you met those people, though? They suck. Yeah. I don't know what happened to them all, but I'm not really sad. So. No. They all were talking about going off the grid. I did meet some nice people in Santa Cruz, but it was always after the shows, not during. Those people were all fuck sticks. Uh, (laughs) So he went out to drink. When he got back, he invited his mom's best friend, 59-year-old Sally Hallett, over to the house. Oh, of course, named Sally. That's a lonely lady name. Yeah. When she arrived, he strangled and decapitated her, then left a note for police, which read, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do, with three exclamation points. He does have things to do, I bet. creepy-ass note. It really is. It's, like, lyrical. And it's got the air of someone who absolutely just thinks they're intellectually superior to people. Well, once you use the word gents. Yeah. He, he then left in Sally's car and drove through Nevada and Utah to Pueblo, Colorado, listening for news reports about the murders. When he didn't hear any, he called the police from a phone booth in Colorado and confessed to killing his mom and her best friend. But the police didn't take him seriously. He called again after a few hours asking for a police officer he knew personally and confessed again. Once in custody, he confessed to the murders of the six students. When asked why he turned himself in, he said, and this is also terrifying, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. Yeah, because he killed his mom. He's describing it so casually, too, like... You know, I mean, I just thought like like he started playing bass at some point and was like, you know, it just didn't stick, man. I don't have time to play bass and uh, it's costing me money. So I sold it. It's an interesting statement also because it kind of makes you wonder if any if all of these people have some kind of root motivation. Yeah, it speaks to that because I think the thing that we all I think the pendulum swings and has swung in the other direction where it's like, oh, well, there's no explaining it. At all. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe there's like a thing <laughs> like that if you just got rid of that one thing like his mom. Yeah, there's I don't think it's in the notes, but there's a scene in Mindhunter where they he talks about killing his mom. I yeah. think we have the interview, but we're, we're kind of crunched for time, yeah, so no. we won't play it. But he talks about killing his mom. And at one point, his mom, among the litany of things she said to him, she said she, because of him, she hadn't had sex in seven years. And after he killed her and had sex with her head, he said, there, now you've had sex. Oh, God damn. Like, that's the, 
I don't know why we wouldn't want to study that and know like if there is anything that can be done. I think here, okay, this is going to be controversial, but hear me out. I like it. How about the death penalty, but just for kids who kill cats? Because yeah, then we're just of heading it off. We're getting ahead of the issue. Right at the pass. It's not even like a minority report thing where no, we have to. No, I got to, you. No, we don't yeah. need oracles. Like, we know where that's headed. I don't need a marble carved out of psychic wood. I think that's how we fix this. Let's talk about his trial. I definitely though. think people who abuse animals should be put away for the same, like, the same, like. Yeah, there should be. Like, the way you hurt people. Because if you're doing this to animals, you're going to do this to people. I feel like, yeah, to some degree, you're almost more likely to do it to people. Because what the fuck does an animal, at least with people, like with this guy, he had some deep-seated emotional issues that dealt with people. But what the fuck did that first cat do to him? I get that the second one wasn't that cool with him. (laughs) But the first cat was just doing fucking normal cat things. The first cat was practiced. buried the goddamn thing alive. Like at that point, you got to sit that kid down and go, hey, hey, hey. You're going to jail. What are you doing? Let's talk about it until you turn 18 and we trust you back in society I think, if we do. I think the reason, par- partly one of the reasons why his mom was so terrible to him, and I, I know this from being, again, the subject of verbal abuse, is that, you know, he he somehow embodies all the things that went wrong in her life. Yeah. And then to see him bury a cat alive, like the self-hate that gets recycled in that experience yeah. Is exactly what what played out right there. Yeah, for sure. You know, he just didn't have the impulses to, you know, perform and be a good kid the way my brothers and I did. Right. Like, oh, maybe if we just do everything right, this will stop. Yeah. He went the other direction. He sure did. He went way in the other direction. Yeah. So the, the following month after he was arrested, he was indicted on eight counts of first degree murder and assigned a public defender. Since he'd already confessed, he pled not guilty by reason of insanity and unsex- unsuccessfully tried to commit suicide while in custody. So not good at everything, dude. And his trial went ahead on October 23rd, 1973. Three court-appointed psychiatrists found him to be legally sane, which I think once you get to court, the definition just becomes, did you know what you were doing and did you know it was wrong? Which yeah. I'm almost fine with at that point. Like, th- we don't need crazy. to know. This guy's not crazy. Right. He just He just didn't he just had impulses he's meant he he has mental issues but it's a different thing than being he was so like separated from reality that you don't know what's happening he didn't have delusions of grandeur right he wasn't he wasn't he was just he, a sadistic piece of shit see this is the thing it's like i i like that they didn't call him crazy because once you start yeah. calling someone crazy then you make him like some kind of mysterious monster and it doesn't have to be that way yeah yeah they they uh, at one point, they after they found him sane, one of the psychiatrists who interviewed him uh, gave him uh, truth serum, Whatever. which I've, I feel like if that was a, on. a real thing, we would know a little more about it. And at that point, he admitted that he also cooked some of his victims' flesh in casseroles. And people since then have been like, he probably didn't do that. And it was just no, that's drugs. Intentionally you gave him lying. Drugs. But either that, he, or he just knew the shit didn't work and was just lying. He was, no, I think he was high and was fucking with him. Right. Like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah you that's gave what me, I mean. Oh yeah, you gave me truth serum. Yeah. Uh huh. Here, I'll tell you the truth. Let's do an episode on things that are supposed to make people tell the truth. Yeah, that would be like interesting. Like a lie detector, and then whatever that chemical is. I've really mixed feelings about lie detectors. I'm not in favor of them in court, but I am in favor of them. 
in hiring decisions for police positions. Me too. That's, if you're afraid of a lie detector, you shouldn't be a cop. Well, they right now, immigrations, Immigration and Customs Enforcement rejects two out of three people who apply just based on the polygraph that they give them. And people are, like, people are like, mm, well, they're not admissible in court. Why are we doing that? It's like that's a different thing yeah. where it's someone who – the person manning that machine is trained to detect untrustworthy people. And that's a lot less high stakes than sending someone to prison forever. I don't give a fuck if you yeah. can't pat. People fail job interviews all the time. Yeah. Fucking calm down, yeah. nervous bones. Yeah, sorry. Or you don't get to, or you don't get to deport people. <sighs> anyway, so he was uh, found sane and guilty on all counts, and he requested to be put to death via the electric chair, uh, just like his childhood fantasy. But at the time. The California Supreme Court had placed a moratorium on capital punishment. He instead received seven years to life for each count with the terms to be served concurrently. Since then, he's been incarcerated in the California Medical Facility in Vacaville. So that's kind of where the story ends for a while. And then the FBI shows up. Uh, that's the basis of the Mindhunter show. It's about the FBI's behavioral science unit. And Edmund was one of the first people that they interviewed, two agents named Robert Ressler and John Douglas. And this is pretty much literally where the idea of talking to serial killers to understand how they work comes from. So it's, I mean, it's an important moment in history, if nothing else. Yeah, I think if you believe that you're in a situation where you, quote unquote, have nothing left to learn, then you're an idiot. Right. You know? I, you're dumb. And it, it's it's really frustrating when you see that with something like police, because that's a job where I expect you always have to be learning. Like, you can't successfully carry on an IT career without constantly going to classes you to learn everything that's changing. You can't carry on any career. And crime changes so much, and you get so many of these cops who are just like, mm, that's not how things work. Criminals don't work that way. And it's like, man, they do now. Like, it's different. Well, that's what this is. I mean, this that was the first big step. It's like, you you know, they even talk about it in the first... In, well, I know they talk about it in the book. He talks about it in the book. But in the show, they also say, you know, it used to just be that somebody would kill their wife over right. a dispute. And now you're telling me that people just kill to kill. And I have a hard time with that. Yeah, and that's, you know, it, it's... With, so now we've we've settled on that, and we're not willing to go further in other areas. Right. It's yeah. I mean, this is a good. I I feel like we should to some extent be doing this with mass shooters too. But there's always. But the problem with mass shooters is they are never caught. They usually just kill themselves. I mean. Yeah. Well, there there was the Aurora, Colorado shooter. No, he killed himself. Did he? The no. He's the, dead. Did he die in jail? Oh, no, you're right. The Batman shooter. You're right, you're right. I'm mixing this up. Yeah, I mean, these are people... I'm sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. There's so many. Most of them are dead. I think that we have to study these people. Yeah. Like, this is just a new way people kill each other. And it, it I, I expect law enforcement to study these people. Like, that's what, I, that's what my tax dollars do. Like, you're supposed to be learning how to keep us safe from shit like this and not just resting on your laurels and being like... Whatever it was, probably the husband. It's like, yeah, I mean, I also i I don't know what my brain would be like if every day I was there because something terrible happened. Yeah, 
I do have sympathy in that respect. I yeah. don't know. That's a lot of trauma. Yeah. And these are not necessarily the smartest people in the world. No, definitely not. So, I mean, <laughs> the FBI is not the same thing as a police officer. Yeah. This guy is in the FBI. Right. They are always advancing. The whole point, you don't go to the FBI and just try to, like, go undetected. Like, right. you're trying to become a big deal. You, that's just who you are. So. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of natural progression here. Yeah. But within regular city police... No, you're not going to see Yeah, that. you do see a lot of that that kind of battle between regular cops and the FBI where the, the cops are like, why are you doing this? But see, also we have to like realize that... You know, we'll end on this, basically. What I said about Jack the Ripper stands. You know, Jack the Ripper was technically the first serial killer, but yeah. it took us over 100 years to have that conversation. Right. So... You know, there's this urgency that we're feeling now. It doesn't mean we're not going to get to it. It doesn't mean the studies aren't going to be there. It's just, it's not yeah. happening yet. And something will have to happen in order for, I think this vague, I think the thing in Vegas was pivotal. Yeah. I, I do. For sure. I think it changed people's minds on it on some level. Yeah. There, there is one more quick anecdote about this guy that I found really interesting. I don't think this happens in the show, but I've, I've, came across this when I was reading about him because I immediately Googled this guy. Have you read the book? No, not yet. You need to. Yeah, I'll check it out. After interviewing Edmund twice, both times accompanied by someone else, uh, Robert decided to go alone to the third interview. And at the end of the interview, he uses that button that summons the guards to come let you out. And this time, uh, not only was he there alone, but the guard didn't come as quick as usual. And <laughs> according to Robert, Edmund noticed that he was getting nervous because they were now alone in this room and the guards weren't coming. And Edmund told him to relax and said, if I went ape shit in here, you'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't you? I could screw your head off and place it on the table to greet the guard. But he said he was just joking when the guard arrived. So that's what kind of dude this was. If he had the, the slightest opportunity to at least scare the shit out of you in a very real and terrifying way, he was going to do it. Well, the thing that you always have to remember with someone like this is they're looking for power. Right. The, 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 all of this is a reaction to feeling powerless, ultimately. Yeah. I think that is in the show, by the way. I think there is a moment where he says it. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah, it might be. There is a just kidding. I know that. Oh, okay. I remember that moment. Because yeah. it was really smart. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was smart writing, but apparently it just fucking happened. So yeah, it happened for real. I'll have to go back cool. and watch it again. But yeah, that that all of all of the shit they depict with him happened. Yeah, I'm proud. My Miles and I are only watching one episode every Sunday because I just we can't binge shit anymore. Like, there's just I've hit a wall where I'm like, yeah. I can't be a binger. It I'm gets, 32. I have a child coming. I, I can't binge things. Yeah, it gets to be. <laughs> I need to have a life. The Cubs made the playoffs this year and they lost to the Dodgers, which. Bums me out, uh, not just because of the incident where the baby got hit with a full can of Tecate so by a Dodgers fan, but it bums me out on one level, but also I've spent so much time watching baseball the past couple weeks. It's like, I'm so fucking behind on everything. Yeah. Game five of the NLDS took five and a half hours and it didn't even go to extra innings. I'm sorry. I just think baseball is like the most boring sport in the world. We can talk about it at some point. I, look, you like what you like. Some people want to fuck the head of their mom. Right. Some people like baseball. Some people want to play baseball with Some it. Some people like British murder mysteries from the mm. 90s, like I do. Okay. See? I get it. So, yeah, this was a good episode. It was, I mean, I... It was. 
Well, own it. It was good. It was great. I think we did great. You we learned brought up, a lot. We brought up things. We brought up things and you learned things about people you didn't know and about, this is, maybe. This is the last episode of Pretty Scary I'm on before this, this kid shows up. Yeah, we got to gotta figure that out. <laughs> but thank you for... I mean, I'm coming back, guys. Don't yeah, worry. But, Caitlin uh, will be back. Oh, yeah. Just... Thank you for coming up here to do this one. I, I really to, appreciate I, it. I really needed to get out of the house. Yeah. I was going crazy. I'm about to go audition for a game show. I'm going to go. Well, I should shower first. Do all those oh, things. Oh, whatever. I'm gross. You're so yeah. bougie. Yeah, I know. All right. What do we have to plug before we get out of here? Anything? The baby. Yep. Caitlin's got a baby coming. Yep. And it's I. like I, an album drop. Yeah. What's the, the street date on that? 25th. Okay. 25th, Caitlin's baby drops. Also. When's this coming out? We have a live podcast this weekend. Uh, October 28th. I wish I could be there. It'll be me and Jeff and Quincy and Carrie. And uh, there'll be stand-up beforehand. And it's free. It's at the Hollywood Hotel October 28th. Come to that. And I think that's it. Should we get out of here? Yeah. Caitlin, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Thank you.